So, we're going to be in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 27. So if you want to make your way there, Numbers 27. I'm going to read a portion of this and then, uh, and then pray for our time together. Numbers 27 says this, then, uh, then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at, at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers." Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers, and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then he shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsmen of the clan, and they shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel a statute and rule as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up into the mountain of Abiram and see the land that I have given the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zen, when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. The, these are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep without, uh, that have no shepherd. So the Lord said, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom, the, whom is the Spirit, and lay hands on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest in him some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey." And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hand on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for its instruction to us and its challenge to us and everything that it records. Lord, we pray now as we examine these passages and consider them, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts and strengthen us with your truth and 
Uh, Help us to hope more and more in you and in you alone. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide my words. May they be yours, not mine. That we might be strengthened this day and this week ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love uh, a couple of those songs, the Graves into Gardens, as well as the um, When He Walks into a Room, really, really great songs. Um, I love, you know, just that that um, statement from Graves into Gardens that I've searched the world, and there's just nothing more than this. And uh, so often there's like a longing in us for new for something more and more and more. And we see this all the time, right? Like in sequels upon sequels, right? Like right now I'm, I'm walking through Star Wars with my daughters and I, I didn't realize that I totally missed the Clone Wars, you know, and hadn't watched that yet, right? Failure. I know, Jose is looking at me like I've committed a great sin and I probably have, right? I mean, you're actually, most of you are condemning me in this. Um, and... <laughs> There you go. That was enough. See, that was enough. See, she, ser- she didn't need to search the world. She was content <laughs> with the very first one. She kn- you know what? Stop when it's good and, and be done, right? Um, <laughs> wise Allison, yes. Um, and, but we have this longing to like, okay, but what if this? And then what if this? And, and like here and there, where could we go with this? We have this longing for like more new things. And God says in his word, what I've given you is what I've given you, and it's enough. It's exactly enough, and it's provided exactly for you with purpose. And, um, you know, oddly, this is kind of what we're talking about today uh, in the inheritance of land. (laughs) Uh, These last chapters of Numbers are really kind of like, I don't know, cleanup duty before we go into the the conquest of the land. you know, where where the people have traveled in the wilderness throughout the book of Numbers uh, to the place where they are now, which is right outside of Jericho, before they go in and conquest the land that the Lord has given them. And here in these final like 10 chapters or so, God is kind of reminding them of some things that they may need to remember, like various offerings they need to participate in and feasts that they need to remember and these sort of things and their importance. Um, as well as who is left. So in chapter 26, the whole chapter is actually a, a re-recording of a census. So they're taking a new census. You might remember the whole numbers started out with a census, and that was a census of the people before they had the opportunity to go in the land the first time. And so he counted all the men that could go in and conquest the land, men over 20 years of age, fighting men ready to go and take the land that the Lord had given them. Well, that group of men rejected the land that the Lord gave them and, and all passed away in the coming 40 years of the wilderness time that they were in. And now so we're taking a new census of the people that do remain, the, the people that are going to go forward. It turns out they're, they're not all that much better uh, than the men that went before them. They are their father's, their father's sons, and many of the sins of their fathers remain with them. But they have come to a place where they realize what God has provided for them, he has provided for them, and they're going to go forward. And so they take a census in chapter 26 of the people that are ready to go in, and as they're doing that, there's some daughters that pipe up and say, hey, 
Um, so we got a question for you because we're divvying up all this land and who's going to take the land among the tribes of the people. But my dad, see, he passed away while they were in the wilderness and he didn't have any sons. It was just us, like six daughters. How many of them are there? One, two, three, four, five daughters. Five daughters, right? Right, David? Five daughters. How many? It's, you've got to split, though. Three daughters, so three, two. Okay. Okay. Five daughters. Wow. So they're saying, hey, you know, my dad passed away. Now, now, now he's not going to have any land in the inheritance. So what do we do about that? Like, shouldn't we get some land too? And the question hadn't been posed yet. They give some reasons for uh, their, their question. First, it's this. Our father had no sons. Okay, so, so my dad, he had no sons, so where does his land fall in this? Because he was part of the people, so where does his land go? When they initially give it, where do, we, where do we put it? He died in the wilderness, so he's not here to take it himself. He doesn't have any sons. And thirdly, very importantly, in the context of this, he did not gather against the Lord with the people of Korah. You might remember Korah. Korah assembled a rebellion of people to come against Moses and Aaron and say, why have you guys brought us out here, out of Egypt, into this uncomfortable place where we're just getting this bread from heaven that tastes terrible in our minds because we've had it every day for 40 years? Um, Why do you guys get to be in charge? Aren't we all holy? And in one sense, he's, he's right. All of Israel is holy. But in other sense, God has called Moses and Aaron to lead the people. And he's called them very specifically to lead the people. And so Korah led this rebellion against the Lord, uh, initially against his leaders, Moses and Aaron, and ultimately against what God had been doing among them, that he had drawn them out of Egypt. They were saying, why did you bring us out here to die? Well, guess what? Moses didn't bring them out there to die. Moses was following the Lord who was leading them out there into the wilderness. And so And so it wasn't Moses that they were coming against. It was actually the Lord. And so Korah led this rebellion against the Lord. And so the daughters are saying, hey, not only does my dad not have any sons, and not only did he die, but also he was not among the people that came against what the Lord was doing. He was true to what the Lord was doing. And so why should he not have an inheritance if he did not come against the Lord in this way? As many of the people, when the rebellion is described, it sounds like most of the people came against Moses and Aaron in its description. But apparently, that did not include Zelophehad. 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 He was not counted among those who were in Korah's rebellion. And so Moses goes forward and takes the case before the Lord, and the Lord says to Moses, in fact, the daughters of Zelophehad are right. You should give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance to their father, of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. Impressive in a patriotic culture to give your inheritance to your daughter, if that be the case.
the Lord gave an inheritance specifically and, and importantly to those who were following him, who were true to him, and who followed his conquest into the land. And that included Zelophehad and his heritage, which in this case included five daughters. And so an exception is granted to the normative case. Zelophehad receives his inheritance through his daughters, and his inheritance in the land through his daughters. A secondary sort of question, just kind of outlining how important the detail of the Bible is, comes up in chapter 36, which is the final chapter of Numbers, when some men come before Moses and say, okay, okay, Zelophehad, what if those daughters marry among the other clans? Then if that happens, then their land will transfer to another tribe, and we aren't supposed to be transferring land between tribes, so what do we do? You're like, I'm not sure why that's a big deal. <laughs> but apparently it is to the Lord. And I, honestly, I'm, I'm not certain of exactly why it's a big deal. I just have some hunches on it, so I'm going to share those with you um, and take them you know, with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, but, but this group of men comes to the Lord, comes to Moses and, and says, hey, you know, if Zelophehad's daughters marry another tribe, marry outside their tribe, then that land goes to that tribe. It goes from one tribe to the other. So then when the year of Jubilee comes and all the land is restored to the people unto it should be, whose land is whose in that scenario? I'm like, I don't know about you, but this is like way out in the weeds in terms of like, defining what we need to know about land. But it's pretty important to Zelophehad, right? I mean, if you were Zelophehad and you wanted to know your inheritance, then it would be important to you. And God cares about that obscurity, which is impressive. So they actually grant an exception to the exception, which is for Zelophehad's daughters and any like case or similar case, they're only allowed to marry within their tribe. They can marry someone from another clan or or what have you so that the land stays among that tribe. A compromise that Zelophehad's daughters, it's recorded in chapter 36, agree to and think that's fine. Why is that important? I have one idea about why that's important. That's this. That God is intentional about what he gives you. Like, specifically, you. He is intentional about what he gives to, let's say, Mala, the daughter of Zelophehad. He cares about what Mala, the daughter of Zelophehad, this obscure, random case in Israel, what she ought to receive. And he calls us to be content with what he gives. Back to series. So often we're looking for more. Looking at that other tribe or that other person that's in that normal situation. Say, why can't I be like them? I'm sure Mala is saying, or one of these daughters is probably saying, well, I like that guy from the tribe of Dan. You know? I mean, he's a fine-looking dude, and I'd like to marry him, but instead I'm stuck in my dad's tribe and limited in that case. You could get jealous, right, and wonder why. But 
But God has called us to be content with what he has given to us and not worry about what the other person gets. God has provided a good inheritance for us. And we're to be content with that. He does that in the church, too, if we fast forward to our time. Um, the truth is, we're not all given the same gifts. We're not all given the same callings. We're not all given the same uh, family upbringing. We're not all given the same uh, you know, country that we're born to. Okay? We're not all given the same. God calls us not to look at one another and say, oh, oh well, if I just had what he had, then sure, things would be easy, or things would be better, or things would be... No, God has given something to each of us. And apparently he's so um, intentional about it that he doesn't even want land to transfer between tribes in supposing a marriage happens uh, between tribes in the case of Zelophad's daughters. That seems so obscure, but that's the detail with which God cares about your circumstance. He's provided exactly for your circumstance and desires that you be content with that and understand and seek deeply the, the value that God has provided in that circumstance, in that inheritance that he has given you. It is good. I mean, all the people of Israel that inherit the land receive something that was good. And so it is true with us. We have received something that is very good. We receive the Lord. And as you look around at our world and look at its unquenchable thirst for more and more and new and different and better, and it's unending. And the truth is, what it reaps is, is nothing new, nothing more. And so, yeah, you know, uh, you know, you could look at the Bible, right? And you could look at the story of Jesus. And growing up in a Christian environment, you can consider it maybe boring because you've heard it so many times, right? That like, all right, Jesus died for me, and now I get to be with my father, and okay, that's cool. And we can get sort of numb to the fact that that's like the most treasured and cherished thing that could possibly happen because we're just familiar with it. But the truth is when you search the world, there's nothing better. There is nothing better. You know the best theory right now? The best theory right now about the origin of a world by the smartest scientists that we have is that there's infinite parallel universes just running side by side. That's the best we've got right now. That's the best mind we've got right now on this idea of origin. And the idea is, oh, we just have infinite, you know, universes that stretch out forever, and we don't know where those are. But that's what happened. That's how we're here. Just increase the possibilities, and then we decide that we're here. That's where we've gotten with more and more and more and new and further and better. There's something more simple and more true. God has made this. He's created this world and then he stepped into it with his son and he died for you. 
and bought you back and gave you an inheritance, a specific inheritance as obscure as Mala, the daughter of Zelophehad. And he cares about what he's given to you, and he wants you to be content in it. He provides. He cares about Zelophehad's daughters and their concern for their father's legacy. And their concern is granted an exception. <clears throat> the inheritance in, uh, in Christ, you know, again, I think this is a countercultural uh, uh, concept of giving inheritance during their time that, that the daughters would receive some sort of land instead of handing that off to a, to a male counterpart. But in Christ, Galatians says that um, in Christ, male and female, we are all one. But our inheritance is just as much important for female as it is for male, just as much important for Greek as it is for Jew. Okay, there is no distinction in Christ, we are one. And so, yeah, God's like, yeah, no problem. In this circumstance, the best thing to do, give Zelophehad's daughters the land. We should not look down on each other because of race or sex or job or family, any of those things. We are all one in Christ. We've been given a different inheritance, each of us, but one we ought to be content in and use for the glory of our God who gave his son for us. God provides. Another thing that God is providing as they go forward is another leader because Moses, while they were in the wilderness, lost sight lost sight of what the Lord was trying to do and, and, and made the Lord look unholy to the people by striking the rock twice in the presence of everyone, taking in his own hands uh, the, the, the miracle instead of allowing God to work in, uh, in the miracle. God didn't tell him to strike the rock that second time they came and needed water, but Moses struck it twice, bringing judgment on the Lord that the Lord did not grant. And so... A, a successor is chosen for, uh, for Moses, and in verses 12 and following, we have this uh, recording of, of the Lord speaking to Moses and telling him to go up to the mountain, and, and just like Aaron, he was going to pass on, and uh, Moses cries out and said, that, please appoint then someone to lead this people. Moses knows that this people needs someone to set the direction because they are like sheep and will go astray. So verse 15, Moses speaks to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may be as sheep, that, that they may not be as sheep who have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands on him.
God always provides a leader in whom his spirit lies. We see this from Old Testament to New. Sometimes we think about the spirit as this thing that we receive in the New Testament. The truth is, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The spirit was present even in this time and present upon Joshua just as much as he was present among the, uh, the people who were chosen to serve in Acts 6. In Acts 6, the church is growing heavily, and they need people to come in and step in and, and uh, serve the people that they would not go hungry, because there's like a, basically a supply chain issue going on, because the people have no family to rely on, uh, because they've left their faith, and now they need help. And so in the description of the people chosen to distribute food, even those are called that they have the Spirit upon them. Those the Lord calls to lead, He provides with the presence of the Spirit. And so too it was with Joshua. They also, the Lord also provides a leader who recognizes the Lord's authority in their lives. And we see this from Joshua 24, 14, and 15. Later on, when Joshua is speaking to the people and the people are rebelling against the Lord, he says this to the people of the land, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me... In my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was not in a role chosen to bring his own glory or his own power, his own authority. He was in a role chosen to extend the Lord's authority and the Lord's power in and among the people. God provides a leader who recognizes the Lord's authority in their lives. And he's content with that position. It's a different position, but it's a position that God has given. He's led by the Spirit, but he's humble, recognizing the authority of the Lord in his life. God cares about where you're at. God cares about you if you've been called to lead. God cares about you if you're, you know, the daughter of Zelophehad. God cares about you in whatever possession, uh, whatever uh, circumstance or possession he has given you, he cares about exactly that. He's not unaware of what you need. He's not unaware of what you have. He's aware of the whole of it. And he's given what you have intentionally and he's holding that which you don't have also intentionally. You know, before service, we were talking a little bit about the space and about, you know, when we're going to have resolution to it. And the truth is, we don't know. You know, we're coming up on the end of our lease and we're wondering what's next. You know, the Lord's timing is perfect. And as hard as it is to say that, uh, when we're a month from the end of our lease and wondering what the renewal will look like and if it will look like and all that kind of jazz, God has had this from beginning to end. He's given what we've had when we needed it, and he's withheld what we needed until we needed it. 
And so I'm not concerned. My flesh wants to be anxious, but my spirit knows better. That God gives in his timing and in his wisdom. And God cares about the obscure little case of Zelophehad's daughters. And, you know, count me one if we can't be considered obscure little case. God cares about this. And so I'm thankful that he will provide in his timing. God cares about your case, and he's going to provide in his timing. Don't, don't look around for what's new, what's better. Don't compare to the other and say, mine is not as good as theirs. Seek the inheritance that God has given you and be content in it. Steward it well and trust that the Lord will provide as he sees fit for your good and for his glory. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your goodness and your mercy. We're thankful for your on-time provision every time. And God, we pray that this week we would walk in that, that we would be thankful for all that you've blessed us with. God, you've blessed each and every one of us in this room and and on Zoom, I know, um, because we're here in this country. And we're grateful for what that means for us in comparison to the world. We, we sometimes don't see how much we have uh, when we look around in our country. When we look around at our world, we know we've been blessed greatly and mightily. And so we thank you for that and pray we wouldn't squander it. Lord, I pray we'd be content with what we have been given and trust you for what we need. God, may we seek the, the reason that you have us in the situations you have us in. May not be anxious looking for our own solutions, but instead dependent on you uh, for your provision. God, we're so thankful for this morning and this chance to worship you and to lift you up. God, thankful for these who endured traffic, uh, getting over here, half the people that are in this room. And yet, You've given us this great time of fellowship and enjoyment of your word and enjoyment of your presence. And for that, we're thankful, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.